some of my best work. I'm music and culture journalist Jane Rocker. We invite artists and creators to nominate some of their best work, tell the story of how it came about and how it's influenced their career. In this episode, Sophie Payton talks about her chosen song Volcanic and why she deems it some of her best work. There's more information and links to tracks from Sophie in the episode notes, but let's get into it. And I begin by asking her where she was when it started to all come together. I was in Stockholm and Berlin when I wrote the track. Um, It was in the middle of 2018 and I had kind of gone through a big period of quite personal sort of upheaval in my life and was really sort of coming to terms with that. That, That's what the record is about. And um, when I wrote Volcanic... I I basically wrote the words first, so I was in Stockholm and I sort of started to go into a bit of a, a spin and a bit of a panic and, you know, when you start freaking out about something, it's just like this absolute spiral and I think I got right to the bottom of the spiral and just wrote all these words. Um, I guess it was essentially kind of a poem and then I just kept the words in my, like, writing book and the next week I was going to Berlin for this week of like a collaborative festival called People and so it's run by Justin Vernon who's known as Bon Iver and the Desner brothers from the band The National and they basically curate this week um, of artists coming together writing songs and um, every day we would go from the hotel where we all stayed get on this little boat it was very idyllic, be taken down a river to the Funk House, which was an old like radio station used and it's now been turned into like a massive music sort of studio, like Neil Fram works out of there. Yeah, I was searching for a space to sort of just start doing some of my own writing and I came into this big warehouse and there was all this like metal work being done around me, but it was kind of cool because it meant I could just like go for it and no one could really hear what I was doing. And um, I got out this page that I'd written all these words on and just started playing the piano in this big warehouse. And yeah, in the in the day, I kind of had the song written. Wow. Why does that particular song stand out? I think because when I wrote it, I felt like I felt like it was the best song I'd ever written, partly because of the, the lyrics and, you know, the way that the sort of figurative aspects of the song really sort of ran all the way through it. And I spent a lot of time that day reading about volcanoes um, and sort of picking out my favourite words from different like websites that I was reading about volcanoes on and they kind of all like made their way into the lyrics. But, you know, it was still such a personal journey, but I think is also the kind of song that then becomes very personal for someone else who, you know, who it's not even about. And I got home back to the hotel that night and often... I find it really hard to resist very traditional forms and structures in songs. And I'd written like the first two verses in the chorus and I kind of stopped myself purposefully being like, just let it sit for a minute. Like don't rush in and write a bridge or a down chorus or whatever. And so I kind of finished it and went back to the hotel 
and there was this grand piano behind a room, like in a in a little library behind the kitchen of the hotel. And so I went in there and I sort of just started playing this like piano riff and it basically, you know, evolved and formed to be essentially what I think of as sort of the the extended outro of the song. And I liked, you know, how freeing that was, but still how much it sort of um, reflected on the core of the lyrical content, which was this sort of slow eruption and all these kind of feelings and thoughts bubbling up to the surface. And when I played that piano part, I was like, I really feel like this is kind of capturing that feeling. So I think the way that the lyrics and the music very naturally sort of ran in parallel made me feel like it was some of my best work. Do you keep all the lyrics that you write or can you ever go back and look at that? Definitely, yeah. No, I I kept changing lyrics. I mean, the core of it stays the same, but when I was coming to actually make the record in 2019, I sort of went back through with a fine-tooth comb all the lyrics from the record and thought, is that the best way that I can say that? And I think there were a couple of like small small lyrical changes in Volcanic, but all in all, it did sort of stay the same and... I think it also made me, like, moved me towards this new style of writing, which I still feel like I'm in, which is sort of more of a stream of consciousness rather than, you know, four nice tidy lines that make up a verse and necessarily rhyme in an A-B couplet or whatever. So it for me it was sort of, I felt like I, this song kind of unlocked a bit of a door for me that I sort of, yeah, happily walked through. And in terms of unlocking even what was happening emotionally, how did you grow from that song personally? And does singing it take you right back to f- what you felt when you wrote it? You know, I um, was reading this book a couple of years ago called um, The Argonauts, and it's a fantastic book, and it's about an individual. It's sort of a memoir, but it is a bit stream of consciousness, and it's not I don't even really know how to explain it, but it's it's beautiful piece of writing. And this individual is talking about their partner and, you know, their partner had gone through a sort of gender identity crisis and was a lot about that sort of talking about that spectrum and talking about, you know, that relationship evolving. And there was this line that really stuck with me from it, which was that, like, words are not enough. And I think that was sort of something that I was thinking about a lot when I was writing Volcanic, like there's a line in the song that's like, you know, it's all words and bookmarked lines leaving us all undermined and wrung out because so often we're trying to put, we have to explain ourselves so often, explain what we're thinking. And um, at the time I'd been going through, you know, a bit of a crisis of my own about kind of who I was, about sexuality and Um, It was on the background of Australia voting on same-sex marriage and I was in this new relationship and it was just, yeah, I think this song was like all of those things that I couldn't spit out in nice clear sentences to say this is how I'm feeling. Um, Instead it sort of just came out in, in the form of volcanic which was sort of this, yeah, like real stream of consciousness, you know, panic. But But I think also by the time I'd come to the end of it, I came back to that phrase of, you know, sometimes words aren't enough. Um, yeah. And, you know, thank fuck we have music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when was the last time you actually performed that song live and, and what's it like to do so? Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's one of my favourite songs to play live. The first time I played it live was at the Opera House um, last year in July when I played to to nobody. Um, We did like a live stream there with no audience. And 
yeah, when I was kind of getting it together, like doing the sort of looking at the stems of the song and dividing up who's going to kind of play what, um, it's a really beautiful song to play because, you know, I sort of said to my band, like, these are the vague parameters, but really just lean into your sort of parts and, and flesh them out. And that kind of end part does all, you, you feel like you just have to like hang on, you know, because it, it does feel like it starts to spiral out of control. Um, but there's something so cool in, in that, especially when, you know, otherwise the set that we play um, is very, you know, there's a lot of metrics in it and there's, it's all feels very sort of on a grid and everything's very planned and purposeful. And um, sometimes, you know, sometimes you can feel a bit stifled by that. So moments in the set where it's a lot more just freeing and the drum part is, I don't know, different every night. That's like, yeah, that's a really cool feeling. You consider it some of your best work and something to sort of look to when you move forward and continue to write. What is it that you'd hope to channel or at least cherish from this song and continue to take forward? I know it's hard to project what we're going to be doing. No, yeah, totally. I mean, look, it's 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 um, a bit easier because I did just spend a week, like you know, trying to write a new body of work album. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think the thing that I've kind of carried from this song is what you get out of stopping the process you know and even when you kind of feel like something's just flowing making yourself step away from it and you know sort of give it some breathing space um I think can result in in a a song or a piece of work that's a lot more sophisticated um and so really consciously trying to break out of habits and patterns and traditional songwriting forms I think that's something that I'm very much drawn to and feel like I can do now because of this song. While you were on tour, it was really the album that was recorded in Australia though, wasn't it? At the, yeah, the, the cottage. Yeah. It was. So like I wrote the record from essentially at the end of 2017 to the start of 2019. All of that time, virtually I was um, on tour overseas. And in 2019, I was working in my other job, which is as a, as a medical doctor. And I'd taken kind of the year off music to really just get my qualifications cemented. So I was working in a hospital in Sydney, but I knew I wanted to put a record out the following year. So I was like, okay, I need to be able to record it this year. I had four weeks of annual leave. So I was like, it's got to be then. And in 2018, I'd spent a lot of time touring with an artist named Sean Carey. And I was playing you know, guitar and keys and singing in his band. And the drummer in his band is a guy named Zach Hansen, who I'd originally met when he was drumming for The Tallest Man on Earth a few years ago. And their front of house was another guy named Chris Messina. Both of those guys sort of do a lot of work with Bon Iver and, and are in that kind of camp. And um, we just became really great mates over the course of that tour. And I was making all these demos in the back seat on my laptop. And at the end of that process, they said, you know, we don't know what, what your record's going to look like or how you want to do it, but we'd love to be involved if that's something you're interested in. So fast forward to 2019, I had these four weeks of my annual leave to do it. And um, I said to them, you know, would you, are you free during this time? Could we make it? And I thought, I presumed I'd kind of go over there and we'd make it there. But the studio they worked in was kind of shut down for the year and sort of you know, to, uh, f- another factor was that my grandma had passed away and we were very, very close and she was a big sort of character in the story of this kind of record. I grew up right next door to her in Canoundra. And so I had this, like a lot of these things were kind of coming together that I was like, I think I should make it in Canoundra. And there was something 
cool about. It was such a sort of personal journey that I'd made around the world, but I'd kind of come back home to really, you know, bring it all together. So Chris and Zach flew over to Sydney um, from Wisconsin. I picked them up with their 13 road cases, which had gotten lost along the way, which was terrible, and then found again. Um, we drove out to Canoundra. Was We're in this little cottage for four weeks um, and made the record. And honestly, it was like one of the best times of my life. It was just such a treat. And a lot of those, you know, going back to Volcanic with um, like a lot of the piano parts that I'd done there um, and recorded for the demo, like in the library behind the kitchen of this hotel that actually ended up being on the record so it felt like there were sort of little pieces of it all kind of coming together. And you know it's interesting as you say that um, you sort of head back to where it all began. Was your grandmother, had she passed before you started making this record? She did yeah Yeah, so she passed away at the end of 2018 and sort of all the, the journey that I'd gone on I'd had you know this beautiful conversation with her about a month before she died um, which was unexpected and so I was so grateful that that she really knew me and um, it was a really yeah really beautiful story and so she passed at the end of 2018 and then I wrote the song Sandwiches um, which was on the record about her and that was kind of the end of the story and so then when we made this record in this little cottage like we looked out the window and her house was right there so yeah, yeah there was something um you know, something really special about it. What is it that you hope to achieve as a songwriter and are are there plans? Do you just see how things fall? Yeah, I think so. I I feel like I'm in a bit of a funny like period at the moment because, you know, throughout all of my sort of late teens, early 20s, I had more than enough angst to, you know, to write a song after song. And I do feel like I've gotten to a point in my life where, you know, I'm perhaps the most happy and stable that I've been which is great um, but it means the the things that I've normally relied on to be creative with I don't have you know in spades anymore and I was really worried about how that would affect my songwriting and my creative output but interestingly I've, yeah, I've just spent this week doing a lot of writing and I was thinking god what am I gonna you know write about but I wrote you know seven songs in seven days and I felt like it was I don't know there, there's kind of always something but and maybe as a reaction to this last record, I, a lot of it is that what I'm writing about now is kind of more outward looking. That's sort of what I want to work towards and strive for. You look at, you know, the great songwriters like Paul Kelly and, you know, you think about all the songs he's written from the perspective of somebody else. And I think that's what gives you longevity as a songwriter is um, unless you have a miserable, tortured life, which I'm hoping that I won't have. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like you, you kind of need to be able to see the stories in other people and sort of um, make it into something worth listening to. What's happening with your other career as a medic? Is that something that you will continue to do? Yeah, it is. You know, I don't know exactly in what capacity, but 2020 was not what I had expected, as most people would say. And I was supposed to be kind of on tour all year, obviously wasn't. And I was in Melbourne, which was obviously so Mm. affected by, you know, the pandemic. And so I got a lot of casual work in hospitals around Melbourne which was a pretty gnarly experience, but I'm glad that I was kind of part of that effort. And so now I'm essentially trying to get to 
this sort of balance which I've been hoping to get to for a long time, which is I'm doing a lot of kind of songwriting, a lot of creative stuff, but I basically work a couple of shifts a week in hospitals around Melbourne to just sort of keep me like fresh and kind of, you know, make sure I don't have too much time off because no one wants to see a doctor who's, <laughs> who's never been in the hospital. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I do feel like with music in general, it is very like ebb and flow to continue the water metaphor. I think that like music and medicine for me are almost like two tides and one will kind of move out and one will recede. And I sort of just try and pick which way they're moving and jump on the right one. (laughs) Sounds fair. Is music something, though, that you always thought you'd do, that there was a desire there to want to sing and write songs and that it came easy to you? Yeah, it's always something that I thought I would do, but it is not something that I thought would be a career. You know, I remember having so many conversations with people when I was at high school because I was always like locking myself away in a, with a piano and, and instead of actually paying attention to any sort of music theory. And I was like, you know, always writing songs, always performing was such a big part of my identity. People would sort of say, you know, you're going to go on a Australian Idol or you're going <laughs> to be a singer. And I was like, no, I was like, I think it'll kill my enjoyment of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was what was most important to me was that I enjoy, um, you know, writing songs and that I enjoy performing. And so I was at uni, like studying med and I sort of had written a few songs and then I went and saw this show of Missy Higgins, who I, you know, grew up listening to The Sound of White more than anything. And I just walked out of the gig. It was in like 2012, I think, at the Seymour Centre in Sydney. And I was like, man, that is... Like, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to make people feel the way that I am feeling right now, just so moved, you know, in a way that you just can't even articulate. And so I went home and decided I was going to save up my youth allowance checks, go and record one song, which I did. It got on Triple J. And then that was kind of, you know, the beginning of, you know, a, a slowly moving snowball, but a snowball nonetheless. And now, like, seven years later I've put out a second record and it hasn't killed my enjoyment you know there are parts of being a musician like any job which you're like oh I'd rather not do that but the actual performing and the songwriting like I've never ever stopped enjoying that. And what about the interaction or feedback that you get I mean does that come from just do people write to you and and tell like I wonder if that's perhaps mm. happened with Volcanic or has anyone contacted you to say that song just so hit the spot? For yeah me? they have like someone wrote to me saying I, Volcanic I've never heard a song so sort of aptly capture what it feels like to panic. Um, mm. And I think that was a bit of a theme of the record. But, you know, given a theme of the record was me coming to terms with my identity and having this like really honest conversation with my grandmother who's 95, who'd known me my whole life and coming to terms with all of that. Um, I had, yeah, a real outpouring from people online being like, you know, I listened to this song and then I came out to my family or I listened to this song and it repaired my relationship with my grandparent or I, all those sorts of things, which to be honest, it's it's hard to really like comprehend that, mm. you know, you sort of think that addressing that to somebody else. But yeah, it is like such an amazing byproduct of, of you know, being vulnerable and being honest. And I came into this whole process of this record think like I was so aware of what I was writing songs about and I was like there's going to be such a clear narrative to this record do I lean into that and be really honest and you know compromise my own personal life or do I 
um, sort of just make it a bit more ambiguous. And I decided to really lean into the, you know, the vulnerability and the honesty and I feel the richer for it. And I think that kind of outpouring from people, you know, happened because of it. Take me through being in the studio and actually recording it. And is it just, is it one take? Is it many takes? Like sort of what's happening? Yeah, so um, like that changed a lot this time around. I was really listening to a lot of records that, you know, from like the National to sort of Sharon Van Etten and records that I, you would listen to start to finish and you just sort of, you felt like you were sitting quietly in a chair in the, in the room where it was being made and it wasn't sort of shrouded in all this mystery and which I probably leaned into more on my first record. But this time I was like, I want it to be like that. I want it to be like someone's come in to this space. They've sat down, I've played them. 45 minutes worth of music and then they leave at the end of it you know the the cottage itself that we were in and the surroundings um I was really determined to sort of make that an instrument and I I picked Chris and Zach to make it with me because I knew that their sensibilities and their skill set would be really appropriate and so we went in the first couple of days we listened to like all the demos that I'd made which were pretty fleshed out in terms of arrangement and you know, to look at Volcanic specifically, we kind of listened to that and it really had all the elements that we kind of needed. It had like a, I'd recorded a sample of someone playing a cello with an ebo on my phone, which is the drone that runs underneath the whole thing. I'd recorded the piano parts in Berlin, which we kept. And then we basically like walked around the farm with a field recorder and, you know, there's footage of like Chris very like purposefully like swinging a gate, like <laughs> as if there's a right way to do it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, recorded that and then we would kind of come back in and airdrop it to the laptop and, and put it all into the song. Um, so we, we did really try to bring all those elements into it. But the sort of core of making the record was we wanted every element of it to have feeling you know and so the way things were played to have feeling the ways things were recorded to have feeling like it was sort of really essential that everything kind of tied back into that sort of central message so yeah it was a beautiful time we'd kind of rock up every day and just start playing whatever and then eventually just add layers on top of these demos and a lot of the vocals were sort of like single take vocals and previously I'd you know vocal production for me was always like vocal soup you know you'd layer it upon layer and you'd do it again and again and again until every note was kind of perfect um or else this time around I was like the whole record is about being vulnerable so like we're going to do a disservice to the music if we don't do that when we're actually in the recording process so so yeah we tried to stay true to that as you say there is that vulnerable element to all the songs but also that emotional connection to where it's being made as well and probably now in hindsight that you aren't able to travel probably does it feel even more special that you were able to actually do that that these guys could come out here I mean yeah it does (laughs) I I feel like we were we were doing isolation before it was cool (laughs) um (laughs) well maybe while it was cool and now it's not cool anymore um but yeah I I feel so grateful that we were able to kind of you know execute that plan and Chris and Zach like after the whole process they were like man we got to be honest like when we first arrived like saw you know the setup where we were what we were doing we were like we better fucking do a good job of this thing because you know I had put so much trust in them which they definitely felt but I, I didn't second guess it for a second because they're so good at what they do and we walked around the yards outside the cottage and there was a shearing shed next door and we went in we found this like old stereo and um, it had like a wasp's nest in it. And so like Chris and Zach like, yeah, let's take this back in. We like banged out the wasp's nest. They like rerouted 
you know, the entire kind of output of our outboard back through this shitty stereo, re-recorded it back into the desk. Like, we're cutting up bits of tape to, you know, they were very, like, um, tactile with the way that they kind of, like, engineer, which is just so cool. But, yeah, a lovely byproduct of the whole thing was that we, like, spent four weeks with my mum and dad and, like, my sister and, like, her kid. Were they cooking meals? Well, yeah, it was, (laughs) like, I I was, like, sorry, I didn't really realise what I was asking you guys to do. But, you know, Chris and my mum still email sometimes so it's very sweet yeah that's so divine what a great thing well you meant to be in the states though like I read somewhere that you were thinking about relocating yeah Yeah. last year so 2020 I finished my medical job I flew to Europe and did a few shows and then I was supposed to be playing some more shows and then going to the states and had planned to relocate to LA mostly um, but was you know sort of in one of those phases where I wasn't really living anywhere because I was just always on tour then I was in at the BBC um, in London doing some like press for the record in the first week of March and I saw that the US US had closed its borders um, and I was like oh man I should probably go home so got on a flight that night my partner was is from Melbourne was living here and I'd, I'd always lived in Sydney or in Canoundra but I was like I'll come you know stay in Melbourne for a bit while we work this out and 12 months later, I'm still here. <laughs> so was this a, um, a self-imposed, but sort of, you know, dating someone, but now you're kind of stuck together because you can't leave Melbourne anyway. No, I'm exactly. sure it's all worked out. I think I wonder if as a muso, whether you share what you're writing with your partner who is also a muso. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Like each of us will write a song <laughs> and she'll be like, what's this about? Yeah. I'm like, don't ask what it's about. It's just like, it's you know, you've got to accept it. Um, so, yeah, it is... Um, she might it be is. waiting for songs about her for the next one, maybe, and vice versa. Who I knows? said, I'm, like, she's making a record, and I was like, you haven't got many songs about me on there. Can you please write some more? So, yeah, we um, we take the piss out of each other, but we yeah. also, like, you know, are each other's complete sounding boards. And yeah. last week I tried to get back into a writing frame of mine and I actually asked her to come with me and yeah. write some songs because – you know, I, there's no one I trust more and there's no one that sort of respects yeah. what I do more and vice versa. So, um, yeah, we allow each other a lot of our own space. But when we invite each other in, it's like works really nicely. And we, you know, yeah, released a song earlier this year that um, went, you know, went well. So Yeah, good. Back to Volcanic. Has mm. any m- other muso come to you and sort of said, wow? Um, when I finished kind of making this record and when Our Two Skins was finished and I would show anyone a song from it I would always show them Volcanic Um, and I showed two people you know a a good like close friend of mine and another friend of mine who I'd done a lot of work with Alex Summers who is a um, you know producer composer artist in his own right and um, has done a lot of work with Sigur Ross and you know Mm. is a really like I have a lot of admiration for him and I care a lot about what he thinks and I sent you know sent Volcanic and sent the record to him probably the piece of feedback that I've dwelled on the most out of this entire process was his, which was that he was like, I've never heard you make something that sounds so like you. And I just, I really, that meant a lot to me because of, you know, the entire context of of the story. Thank you. My pleasure. Sophie Payton and her song Volcanic. Find heaps of info in the show notes. Big thanks to Sophie, Liberation Records, Nearly Media, along with Triana and Adrian, as Suku Ya. I'm your host, Jane Rocker. Get me on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know if there's an artist you'd like to hear on the show. Editing and production by Courtney Carthy at The Mushroom Group. 
Our theme song is written and performed by Mark D'Angelo of The Backlot Studios. Artwork for the show courtesy of Mushroom Creative House. Our executive producer is Matt Gadinski. Legal assistance from Ben Strong and Kate Fury. 